everyone, and welcome to Tea with Coco. I am Coco like Chanel. If you're just joining us for the first time, welcome. Please be sure to subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcast so that you can get updates as to our new post. You can also go to www.cocolikechanel.com and join our mailing list, and then you will always be alerted when there are new blog posts, stories, videos, and of course, podcasts. Please do rate and review us five stars only, please. And of course, any comments that you want to submit, you can do so at CocoLikeChanel.com. We would love to hear from you. So on today's podcast, I wanted to talk about personal anniversaries, also known as birthdays. I had a birthday myself yesterday, and I turned 31. So it was not a huge birthday in terms of milestones, but it has been very reflective of me, I think, because it in and of itself was not a milestone. So it had me kind of reflecting on on what a birthday means in general. So I wanted to go through some things that I think we should do every year at this time, treating our birthdays as a personal New Year's celebration, our own anniversary that we can chronicalize things in our life, set new goals for ourselves that maybe aren't as aesthetic or lifestyle as our New Year's resolutions tend to be. I also wanted to go through a couple of traditions that I have updated as I have gotten older and some that I've learned from the amazing following of CocoLikeChanel.com blog. And finally, of course, we'll end with a little land yap. So let's dive in, shall we? Personal anniversary. The actual phrase in French for happy birthday is bon anniversaire, and it literally translates to, you know, happy anniversary. And I thought it's so interesting that I started circling around this thought of personal anniversaries and had the realization that that's already a French custom, (laughs) as, as many of the things I end up loving tend to be. So personal anniversary. When you think about the big hallmarks that we have throughout the year, most of them are related to either our cultural seasonalities, things that are holidays such as Christmas or New Year's that we celebrate together collectively. And there's always a lot of reflection at that time, but a lot of it is more standard, things that you want to do in the future, setting out your New Year's goals. Mostly, I think a lot of people circle around their aesthetics or their lifestyle. They want to work out every day. They want to eat healthier. They want to lose X amount of pounds. And I thought birthdays are such a wonderful opportunity for us to reflect not on our shortcomings that we want to change, which is also good to do, but on the things that bring us joy. What if we flipped that thought of, I did not do this perfectly and I want to, as women are constantly striving to do everything all at once, perfectly all the time. But what if we thought about resolutions, if you will call them for the year, in a more nurturing way. What about trying to do things that brought us joy more? 
reflecting on the previous year that we had of life as this is our own personal marker of of our of our aging and of our progression through life hopefully getting better every every year by year every decade by decade and trying to really think about what in the past year did we do that brought us joy and how can we make sure that we're doing more of those that was really the thought I kept circling around as I came to my birthday. And this past year for me personally has been a very intense exploration of those things that bring me joy and working them into my everyday life and sharing them with with you, with the listeners through my blog, through the book. You know, in the past year, I started my lifestyle blog, started this podcast and wrote and illustrated a book. Uh, 2018, I have to say, uh, with my career at my corporate job, as well as all of these personal growth factors I've gone through, has been a really amazing reflective year for me. I really have started to incorporate things that brought me joy, drawing um, and illustrating that book, having more creative outlets in my everyday life that really bring me joy. And I've set up now ways to ensure that I can continue and have that outlet with things like the blog, you know, writing, writing books, drawing and illustrating, working with others to help them realize those dreams as well. It's been such a wonderful outpouring of joy that I have gotten from it. And it reminds me of an episode of Friends <laughs> where Phoebe tells Joey, that there's no, you know, there's, there has to be a selfless deed out there. And Joey doesn't think there is a selfless deed because even if you donate money, you get joy from doing it. And so Phoebe goes to the park and lets a bee sting her so that he would look tough in front of his other bee friends until Joey reminds her that the bee probably died. So, uh, it's a, it's a great representation of doing something and, and, thinking that you're doing it for one reason, but the joy that I have gotten out of doing it actually has surpassed anything else. So joy was right. Maybe none of this is selfless, but I have to say it intentionally was trying to be, and I have felt that outpouring of joy. So the the Paul McCartney and the John Lennon songs of the past are right. The more love you give, the more love you get. So I'm really looking forward to 2019, the 31st year of my existence, at least in this form, on on the planet, to be marked by those type of everyday loves and passions and indulgences and stream of consciousness outcries and continuing the conversation that I've now established with this amazing group of people. So whatever that is for you, whether it's cooking and you're going to share that more with friends and family or yourself, whether it's taking up a new hobby. My husband, one of the things I'm, I'm hoping he'll do this year is he really loves golf and he doesn't play very often. And I find it exceedingly dull, but you know, to each their own. And I'm hoping that he'll take that as an opportunity to bring some of that joy back in, into his life. This use of the word joy, I have to give credit to Maria Kondo. I, over the break, watched the Tidying Up show with most of 
the rest of the United States, it seems, and subsequently went through every single room in my house. I don't think I made it past episode two before I was opening drawers and rearranging, but I had read her book. For some reason, watching the television show was much more impactful for me, but she uses a phrase in there to really categorize the things that you have in your home. If they spark joy for you, then it's something that you need to have and cherishing those things because they are bringers of joy and things that you're keeping just because you got a good deal on it or you think you might one day use it maybe they're not bringing you any joy. A lot of times those things are shoved in drawers and boxes and we haven't even looked at them in years. So I think I was moving that ideology of sparking joy across kind of the tactile, tangible things that we have in our house as representations of that and focusing on the existential, emotional, habitual things that that bring me joy. If you guys did read the book I wrote and published last year in December, How to Live a Romantic Life, even if you're single AF, you'll know that I talk about a lot of those things that I try to incorporate on a daily basis to make my life seem and be more rosy. So even more reflective, just using that different word on on the joy that you can bring throughout life and the habits that you can create to make that shift, even if it's only in your own mentality. One of my amazing readers developed a beautiful, beautiful tradition for her birthday, which was last month that she shared with me. And this is a woman I met when I was very, very young and has been a definite spiritual guide for me and mentor throughout throughout my growing up, even though before the blog and before where I kind of started this dialogue and rekindling some of those old relationships and friendships, we would go years without speaking. I mean, I would see the updates on Facebook and we commented, but obviously we all know that's not a real relationship. But after starting this blog and this podcast, uh, she started reaching out to me more and more. She had lived in Europe with me for many years. That's where we met when I was about 12 years old. Her daughter and I were friends. And she first wrote me and said, you know, this brings me right back to Europe. And she was doing some of the recipes and thinking about some of the habits that they had that had gotten lost. She now lives in, I think, Detroit or right outside there. And a lot of that kind of daily grind can get your life very gray. And I was so pleased to hear that the the blog and the book were something that helped her Re reimagine her day-to-day existence and have it be more romantic. So for her birthday last month, she told me she started a new tradition and she bought a copy of my book for all of the amazing women in her life and gifted them a book on her birthday. So she gave them, them a gift on her birthday. And I thought it was such a beautiful tradition to start. When we're children, it's very much about getting presents. And I'm sure everyone can attest as we get older, it's definitely not about the tangible object. And after watching Maria Kondo's show on minimalism and really only keeping around items that sincerely spark joy in your life, it becomes even less so. But these type of 
beautiful moments that you can create and share through giving a simple little book or uh, delivering flowers or sharing an event with someone, taking them to a concert, taking them to the gardens to walk around are so much richer in terms of what they'll remember, the impact it has on on their joy, on, on their daily joy is going to be much more tangible than anything you can hold in your hand. So I, I really was, first of all, humbled and, and honored, of course, that, that she would start that tradition with, with my book that you know I, I wrote just for fun, not realizing what I would get back from, from giving that time and energy. But I would really like to start that tradition myself of taking my birthday, my personal anniversary, as an opportunity to share a little bit of my joy or something that I found value in with the people around me. Going back to that idea that it can be a reflective time for you, your birthday, on what in the previous year brought you joy, taking that a step further. So how do I then share what brought me that joy with the people that inspire and me the most and that I love the most? And that's what this woman did, Miss Paula, and I'm very grateful for her support through this venture as well as giving me uh, such a beautiful example to instill in my own life of, of gifting on your anniversary and spreading that joy with those that you love. So thank you, Miss Paula, for your kind words and for sharing that beautiful story with me. It definitely means a lot. And I love the tradition. Can't wait to start it myself. So all my amazing girlfriends, please look forward to a, a small token of my joy coming your way very soon. I will make sure to share with you all once I decide what that gift is going to be, what I ended up doing, um, so that you guys can hopefully take some inspiration for that as well. Speaking of which, I have to say I am going to counteract a little bit of what I said before, which was not to give gifts to someone on their birthday as we get older and, and to have them you know, be something a little bit more eventful or sharing, not so much a tangible gift. And I, I did want to share some of the things that I received that I thought was wonderful and give a little bit of a gift guide for how to give gifts to people after the age of 30, men or women. So firstly, I mentioned this earlier, but one of my favorite things to do is to create these memories through events. So this year, my mom for my birthday was asking me what I wanted. And of course, I couldn't really think of, of anything I wanted that I, I couldn't buy for myself or that wasn't a, a gift giving type of thing. Like, uh, you know, I, I'd, I'd love a new end table. Would you like me to get, would you like to get that for me for my birthday, mom? You know, it's, that's not a birthday gift. So I was thinking about it and the San Diego Opera was putting on its rendition of Regaletto, and I hadn't been to the opera in quite some time, and my husband had never been. So I thought, what a great opportunity to go and share an evening and see something that we don't normally get to see together. 
So that's what we did last Friday night. We went to see the San Diego Opera perform Rigoletto, and it was absolutely wonderful. Not only because it wasn't something we normally got to do, so felt innately special, but also because it was something I got to share with my husband. And he has told me that he did not hate it, and that he would go back if I wanted him to. So translation, it didn't make him want to die. He did want it to be in English, <laughs> so it was in Italian. So uh, I think that was his biggest criticism. But it was it was an absolutely wonderful evening. So anytime you can create a memory through an event, going to see a show together, uh, going to a, a comedy show, or anything that you don't normally get to do together is such a treat. And I'll have that memory for a really long time, and it means so incredibly much to me. So tickets always a great opportunity. My aunt gave me tickets to see Trembone Shorty, which is an amazing New Orleans jazz musician for Christmas. And that was a huge night to remember as well. I made a huge sign that said, hey, Trombone, I'm your Shorty. And he loved it. We got to go backstage and meet him. And uh, it was an incredible night to remember. And that I will hold with me for the rest of my life. So I, I'm a big believer in gifting tickets to people, gifting experiences to people. So I will say that. I have also received wonderful and a large number of books from my friends and my family. And I think books like Paula's example are such a beautiful gift to give because they can be regiven and because they can be enjoyed and, and something that you can have. I've have coffee table books I got. I have um, cocktail books from one of my amazing friends, B, uh, and and then books to read. We actually started a tradition this Christmas, which is an Icelandic tradition of on, on Christmas Eve, you give each other books as the gift. That's what everybody gets everybody. So there's no, what do you get dad? What do you get your brother or mom, etc. Everybody gets books and you can choose genre um, you know, based on their preferences. And you, you can also have like a, a small treat, like a, a bottle of wine or chocolate or whatever, you know, locally. Uh, we try to make it local. And that's such a beautiful thing too, because it's something that you don't have to stress about. It's in everyone's price range. And then you can really get creative and show your love and attention through the type of book that it is, you know, the genre, as well as your little accoutrement, your little gift on the side being something local or something that you know they like. It's it's a really beautiful representation of, of gift giving. And I wanted to let everyone out there know those are some of my favorite things I've ever received and definitely some of my favorite things to give. The experiences have been wonderful. So that is my 2019 birthday and holiday gift guide for you. We always try to end with a little lanyap, and this year I asked not for a birthday cake, because I'm not a huge cake fan, but a birthday brie, because I love cheese, and I would much rather have a cheese plate than a piece of cake. So I thought I would share how to create the perfect cheese plate. I must first credit the woman I spoke about earlier, B, 
in really helping me hone my cheese plate skills. She was the first person for my 30th birthday last year who made the most beautiful cheese plate I have ever seen. And, and plate really shouldn't be the word used to describe this masterpiece. It was on a, a huge butcher block cutting board and an absolute mastery. If you guys follow us on Instagram at Coco Like Chanel, you can go back and have a look at the cheese board she made. It is incredible. But in an homage to her, I thought I would end with talking a little bit about the ingredients that, in my opinion, create the perfect cheese plate. So types of cheeses. You really want to have a good mixture of soft and hard cheeses. So a hard cheese would be like a Gouda or a cheddar or a Parmesan. A soft cheese would be something like a Brie or a Camembert. I also like to have some spreadable cheeses in there as a super soft cheese, like goat cheeses or Borsen, because it makes it very easy to almost dip things in it, and it can be a very nice thing that you don't have to use the knives for. You know, it's very, very spreadable. So I, those are the variety I like to have. You can then get creative in the types of cheese that you choose within those categories, whether you want it to be a crumbly blue that's very potent, very pungent, if you want it to be you know, a gooey camembert, and obviously you have a variety of different taste levels and mixtures that you can have with the hard cheeses. That's when you can get chive infused, onion infused, uh, different varieties within that and really tailor it to what your preferences are, what you want to achieve with the plate. The next most important thing I've learned from B is to have color on your plate. So vegetables can definitely do this, spreads such as jams or I like Dijon, but B did something so beautiful which added another layer to the senses for her cheese plate that she made me, which was the inclusion of herbs. She went to my garden and got a couple of sprigs of rosemary and some basil. And not only did it make the plate come alive visually, but also aromatically. That inclusion with, with the different cheeses was absolutely gorgeous. So I definitely encourage everybody to give that a try and let us know how it works for you. So then we'll go on to textures, creating a variety of textures. Because cheese is generally softer, even the hard cheeses are gonna be softer, it's really nice to have a juxtaposition of that in some of your things on the cheese board. So I always like to include nuts. I'm very partial to pecans on cashews or almonds, but to each their own. Crackers, obviously. If you do have bread, I always recommend toasting it because it just makes the spreading a lot easier. The bread doesn't rip, so pre-toast or use great crackers. And lastly, and this is very personal because it's my absolute favorite thing to put on my absolute favorite cheese, which is brie, but a honeycomb. A touch of sweetness to round out all of that savoriness on the plate and that saltiness on the plate from the from the nuts and the cheeses and the crackers but it is absolutely a gorgeous combination with brie finally 
for people for ease of eating, I always put little mini plates, almost like saucers, around with small cheese knives as well as the big ones that are on the board so people don't feel awkward about sharing cheese knives or for having to stand right over the plate in order to consume. They can take a few little things and, and leave um, and not feel like they're hovering. So in my opinion, those are the ingredients for a perfect cheese board. And don't forget, if you want a birthday brie, go ahead and have a birthday brie. Why not? Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Tea with Coco. I am Coco like Chanel. Until next time, laissez les bon temps rouler, and everyone have a great day.